Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to the Cedarville Stories podcast. Ferris Welsh has lived anything but a normal life. From one tragedy to the next, she has been stretched, challenged, and refined. And through it all, she still believes God is good and his timing is perfect. Listen as Ferris shares her remarkable story on the Cedarville Stories podcast. Thank you, Sarah, for the introduction, and hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Cedarville Stories podcast. I'm Mark Weinstein, and I am really looking forward to my conversation today with Ferris Welsh. When Nancy Voorhees first told me about Ferris and her amazing story, I knew that having her on the podcast was a must. I'm so thankful Ferris agreed and is with me today in the Cedarville University newsroom. Ferris graduated from Cedarville University in 1978 and enjoyed her first career as a teacher at Dayton Christian. But for me, it's the years since she left teaching that are central to today's podcast, which I believe will inspire you. After leaving the classroom, Ferris, a single mother of two young children, didn't know what the Lord had next for her. But her trust in him never wavered, which you'll quickly learn on today's program. In Ferris's words to me in preparation for today's program, she said, God's timing is perfect, and he led her to an unbelievable career with the federal government. Ferris and her husband, Joseph, reside in Beaver Creek, Ohio, and it's my sincere joy to welcome Ferris Welsh to this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Welcome, Ferris. It's great to meet you. Thank you, Mark. Glad to be here. So we all know that life can be difficult and cruel, and perhaps no person knows that better than Ferris. One thing I learned from hearing Ferris's story in preparation for today is that she is not one to complain, and she views her life's experiences as opportunities to deepen her faith in Jesus. Without going to any detail, Ferris, of your story, uh, do you agree that the circumstances of your life have deepened your faith in Jesus? Oh, absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind. 100%. I wouldn't be here today without him. So, You've had several life-changing events that altered the trajectory of your life. One of those events came when you were a student here at Cedarville University, and you were with two of your college friends traveling to Xenia, towards Xenia, on Route 42, when a drunk driver collided head-on with your vehicle. You sustained serious injuries, and your two friends passed away. How did that accident impact you then and even now? Well, I guess I would say first that um, the initial impact um, was one that landed me in the hospital right. for, for quite a long period of time, 15 weeks. Um, I was totally incapacitated in a coma and really not aware of, of anything that was going on. Um, but one of the things that I didn't share with you in preparation for this uh-huh. is that while I was unaware of what was going on physically around me. I was very much aware of what was going on spiritually around me. Um, When people talk about near-death experiences, I can tell you that I did. Um, My heart supposedly stopped beating during all this, although I don't know. But I do know that there was a very, very bright light beside me. Really? And I heard the voice of our Lord just say, it'll be okay. I've got you. And as I started to come out of the coma, I heard my mother reading Scripture and found out later she had been reading Scripture for nearly two weeks 
Solid, uh, straight. Solid, yes. Every, her whole time there. They would send her home at night, and, and um, she was very blessed. Dr. Monroe actually let her stay with him and his family during that time. Dr. Alan Monroe? Yes. Okay. Um, and she would spend the night with them and then come back the next day. Um, so even though I may have been physically unaware and able to respond, the Lord was still taking care of me there. And, and that was a, something that I reflected on um, after I had to struggle then to come out of uh, the hospital, how to learn to walk again, how to, how to recover from having pretty much, you know, every bone somewhere in my body broken. Yeah, what, what were your injuries? Oh, I had a, a fractured skull and a lot of concussions and contusion. I had a broken C6 and 7th in my neck that nearly severed my spinal cord. To that, I attribute the Lord's hand around my neck because they didn't find that for like three weeks, and I kept complaining of a broken neck, but they were able to stabilize that. I had broken arms and necks. I had puncture wounds in my abdomen. I had actually been uh, a singer here at the college with the Corollaires and others, and, and so I had some damage done to my vocal cords. I can still sing, but I'm not that high soprano that I used to be. Um, But that's okay. You know, it, uh, it, it really, you know, it changed that trajectory from the injury such that I could no longer play tennis or ski or do different, you know, uh, athletic type activities that I was used to doing. Not that I was ever a great athlete. Oh, I'm sure you were. But um, I, you know, I enjoyed those things, but that changed physically what I could do yeah. uh, because I was no longer able to do anything that had impact right. on my body. So... Where were you seated in the car at the accident? I was actually in the back seat of the car. Um, it was an old 49 Plymouth, and it didn't have seat belts in the back. So I remind oh. everybody always, when you are in a vehicle, wear a seat belt. Regardless of where you're sitting. Regardless of where you sit. Um, but uh, my friends were in the front. And, of course, the hood of the car came back up and and uh, and. They were killed instantly, and I was thrown up, and I hit the rearview mirror. I have a rearview mirror print still in my head from that. Really? Yeah. I was thrown back to the back seat and the trunk and somehow knocked me back in. I was like a ping-pong ball, really, right. in the car. Yeah. Um, and knocked me back in, and I lodged between the driver's door and the back passenger seat. So I kind of was all over, and they had to cut me out of the vehicle and um, transport me then, of course, uh, to the, obviously, emergency room. Right. So for our listeners, I, I told you this was going to be an inspiring conversation. And this, this is just the very beginning of Ferris' story, so I, I know you're going to enjoy what we have to talk about. But as I mentioned, Ferris, in the introduction, you came to Cedarville to earn a degree that would allow you to be a school teacher. Yeah. But after, after a surprising, unwanted divorce, you left teaching without knowing what would come next. How did the Lord carry you through this unsettling period? Mm. Wow, that that was uh, even more shocking to me than the car accident, you know. The, but the Lord prepared me using that car accident to trust in Him to to be able to step forward from that accident. And uh, you know, they told me there I'd never be able to drive again. I wouldn't be able to stand and have my teaching career that I wanted. And I said, well, I don't think so. I think that's what the Lord wants me to do. Yeah. And I worked through painful rehabs to get to the point where I could drive 
Um, I can turn my neck fully. Everything is fine. And um, I could stand on my legs and I could teach, which is what I did. And I, you know, I was married. And um, at the time, I had two children and happily teaching at Dayton Christian. And and the next thing I knew, um, my now ex-husband filed for divorce. And I was shocked, Uh, shocked to the point of I was angry. Sure. You know, I mean, it's like, wait a minute, what? This this can't be happening. Right. My whole life is centered around, you know, these Christian principles and and how in the world, how, why in the world yeah. would would a loving God allow me sure. to to go through a divorce? That's that's just to me was just unheard of. Um, you know, both sides of my upbringing, even though one was Catholic and one was Baptist, right? That but neither one of them believed in divorce, and right. I didn't either. And then to have to face that. You know, I, I just couldn't believe it. And, um, and of course, because of him filing for divorce, I lost my job at Dayton Christian School. It was a time when, when that was inappropriate and they didn't right. believe you were fit for, for ministry, service, ministry, service. Right. right, right. And, um, you know, I was like, well, I can't even have, I don't even know how to get a job. I mean, I'm a teacher, you know, I've right. had had, you know, between part-time and full-time and tutoring when they were small, I've known nothing but doing that. And I loved my high school kids. I taught high school government and civics. And How long did you teach? Um, a total of about 12 years. Okay. Um, between, you know, the Xenia Christian campus and the, and the Dayton campuses and, you know, all yeah. together. So let's, let's keep this thread going. So the divorce has happened. Mm-hmm. At one point you were working... Four jobs, oh, yes. so, so that you could care for your two young children. I, I believe Samuel was seven, Rachel was about five. Mm-hmm. You've already told me that it was a very difficult time in in your family because sometimes you didn't even have enough money to buy a gallon of milk or a carton of macaroni and cheese. Yeah, but then the Lord showed up in a real tangible way. Share that story with us, would you? Oh yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, after you lose your job and you lose your house, you have to move. And God just, God blessed me, even though, and I could see him working. I just didn't understand it, which is one of the lessons he was teaching me. Yeah. Um, he said, you know, here's your four jobs, and, and they're all part-time. And what you need were to they? Go to school. What were they? Yeah, what were your jobs? Oh, um, well, I was a reference librarian. Okay. Um, I was uh, working as an uh, administrator for Sugar Creek Township because okay. of my political science background. Right. right? Um, and I was working for the Center for Urban and Public Affairs and the Center for Urban and Labor Management at okay. Wright State University. But one was on campus. One was downtown Dayton. Okay. So I had all of that going on. And at, with the Center for... Um, labor management, one of the things I was doing was training for people that were relocating, believe it or not, okay. from NCR okay. as they were downsizing and, and uh, things were changing there at NCR. It was just interesting because one of the aspects of that training when you're relocating people was the same thing that was really I was personally going through. What do I do? Right. And um, one of the things that the Lord said was, well, look at your skill set. Don't look at what you yeah. think you are supposed to do because I have bigger plans for you, yeah. you know, and I can take 
what you've learned so far, and we can use it in very different ways, which right. I'm sure we'll get we'll, to. We'll get to there. But uh, one of the days I came home from that particular job in downtown Dayton, and I was just exhausted, running both ends, and I knew I had class that night, and um, my kids had, had gotten home, and my babysitter left, and I opened the refrigerator door, and there was no milk, and um, there was really not much in there at all. Um, and I opened the cupboard and I said, well, maybe I can make some macaroni cheese and rice or something. I didn't know what I was going to make. And I opened the door and that nothing was there. And I said, Lord, I, I don't have any money. I don't get, you know, I don't get my stipend payment for another week. What am I going to do? And there was a knock at the door. Mm. And, you know, my son ran up, ran to the door and <laughs> he opens the door and he said, Mom, there's nobody there. And I said, well, somebody obviously knocked at the door. And he said, well, I heard it. And my daughter, Rachel, says, well, I heard it, Mom. And so I walked out, and here in the doorway was a couple bags of groceries. And those groceries included milk, a box of macaroni and cheese, <laughs> one of the family staples, yeah. a package of hot dogs, and my son loved hot dogs with macaroni and cheese in it, right? You know, and a few other staples. And there was just nobody around, but the groceries were delivered just God, in time. Just in time. And it, it showed you that God provided or will provide. So were you able to take that lesson and share that with your kids, just how God provides? Absolutely. Absolutely. I said, uh, you know, I don't understand this one either, other than God knew we needed this and we needed it right now. And um, I, I think what a lesson, what a lesson it taught our family, but it, it's for all of us that, you know, even though we may be at our most desperate point, God still sees us and he pays attention to the details in our life, yeah. even with a gallon of milk and a box of macaroni and cheese. Right. I mean, talk about the small details, you know. And uh, I, I'm just so ever grateful for that moment in my life to reaffirm that in spite of everything, he really saw me. He really cared for me. And he, he took that time to send somebody with groceries, and I am forever grateful. Someone was in tune with, with the Lord, the yeah. Spirit, yeah. To, to minister to you at the right time. Yeah. That's so encouraging to hear. Yeah. So, Ferris, as you were working the four jobs, mm -hmm. did you ever think, this is how I'm going to have to live the rest of my life? I thought, I thought it from the perspective of I didn't want to do four jobs for my whole life. I wanted to have really one job that I could count on that I could take care of my children with because I just didn't, you know, I didn't have a, have any inkling at that point right. um, what the Lord had in store. But I knew if he brought me milk and macaroni and cheese, when the time came and, you know, because I was working on my second master's at that time. Okay. And that was in public administration and urban finance. Okay. And I, but I knew once I, I completed my responsibility that he would provide what I needed. At the, at, to and he did, and then let's, let's move in that direction. Yeah. Because you just mentioned just how God cares for the small and large details of our lives. 
And during this time when you're working for jobs, you were connected with a person at a youth soccer game that ultimately led you to a career with the federal government. Ferris, how surprising was this interaction with this individual? And how did he help you? Well, it, I, w- I was definitely surprised. I mean, God always surprises me in, in the most unusual ways, in the most unusual circumstances, and usually when I don't expect it. Um, and I don't know why I always get surprised because he's just helped me every step of the way. Um, but I was sitting at my son's soccer game working on some of my um, probably studies or one of my papers I was working on for the university or, you know, I was doing work while I was sitting at the soccer game watching the game. And and one of the fathers of one of the other students was there and and he leaned over to me and he says, what do you do? And I said, well, which one of my four jobs do you want to know about? Right, right, right. <laughs> So I began to tell him about my four jobs and what I did, and he just looked at me and he said, well, would you like one job? And I said, oh, I'd love one job. I said, you know, I I just, it's really running me ragged, but I said, at least I'm able to make basic ends meet. And provide for your family. And provide for the family, right? And he said, well, you've you've done and are doing the things that we really need. How Um, did he know that? Because I told him about my job oh, okay. with uh, labor management, okay. you know, and that involved negotiations. I told him about my job where I had to work and negotiate with businesses to okay. do certain work for the township or the city or whatever. But, I mean, these were all small state, local, government-type jobs. And he said, well, this is a federal job. This is with the Department of Defense and the Department of the Air Force. And he said, I think you would make a good contract negotiator. And I said, what's a contract <laughs> negotiator? You're right. <laughs> you know, he says, well, it's what you're doing, but at a higher level. And he said, there's a lot more rules and regulations, but, you know, we can teach you what you need to know for that. He said, it's the skill set that I'm looking for, and you have it. And define what was the skill set that he was looking for. Well, one, you can communicate with people face to face. Um, two is I had a business background with my urban finance. I had right. a government background with my public administration. I had teaching skills because the teaching skills of communication are all involved right. in working with people and negotiating contracts and helping each party understand what the other party really needs. And believe me, if you're teaching high school and you don't think it's a negotiation every day, <laughs> or or maybe even college students and you don't think it's a right. negotiation every day, it is. You know, it's it's something that he just he said, no, you you've got it, you've got what we need from a skill set perspective. We just need to teach you the details. And he said that'll be a piece of cake because y- y- you understand the mechanics. You just need to have the, the manuals. And um, I'm like, okay, well, how do I go about that? Right. And uh, it took about um, another year, year and a half. But in the meantime, it was confirmed by other people. My uh, good friend, who also was a reference librarian, she she was a uh, what they called a stinfo librarian on the base. Okay. That was the science and technology and information library. Okay. Okay. Um, and she said, you know what, 
you ought to apply for this program in contract negotiations. I think it's called um, some kind of copper cap, some kind of metal metal thing, she said. You okay. Know? She didn't really know what it was, but she, she knew what they did. And I'm like, well, you know, I just talked to somebody about that. And then um, I had just married Joe, and uh, right about that same time, he said, you know, there's different programs on base. You ought to, now that you're getting close to the end of your degree, apply for some of these programs on base. And I just started smiling, and I said, well, uh, I'm being sent paperwork in the mail now by somebody that says that he can hire me because the person that I talked to, this father at the soccer field, yeah. was actually the director of hiring for the contract community. So he was... <laughs> yeah. God's timing is perfect once again. Yeah. And although it was a few months after I graduated with my master's that I was able to step into this position... Um, the timing was perfect because it took a long time to get on with the federal government. So how long from that first encounter with that, that man at the soccer game to when you were hired? How long of time did that That take? was approximately 14 months. Okay. It so, was a long time. So were you still working four jobs at that time? I was, yes. Yeah. Was, you know, so I basically I did the four jobs for about two and a half years, something like that, almost three years. I was worn out. <laughs> yeah, you had to be. Oh, yeah. I, it, was, it was exhausting. But, you know, where does your strength come from? You know, that's why, and I never knew this, whenever I was a teenager, my Sunday school teacher said, now that you're a Christian, you need to pick out a life first. Yeah. And I never really thought much about it, but the verse that always stuck with me was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that used to really impress me that I can do anything I want to do through Christ. And that's the key. And that's the key, right? And and so whenever I look back on this now, and even before, and I've reviewed my own life occasionally and looked at it and said, you know, definitely it's all things that he has asked me to do that are within his plan and purpose yeah. for me. Yeah. It, the details of my life for me, yeah. he's given me strength to do each one of them, even though I looked at myself and I said, I don't have the wherewithal to do this. Right. You want me to do what? Yeah. You know, I don't know if I can talk to that person. Right. Or I can I can do that kind of job. You need me to do four jobs to take care of my family. I don't think I have the wherewithal to do four part-time jobs and go to school and take care of my family. He said, Yes, you do, because you're going to do it through me. I'm going to work through you. Yeah. And and that verse has come over and over and over again in my life, even to this day, yeah. even to this day. So when I think back, and as our listeners are listening to this program and think back with me, you know, they can see, hindsight is twenty twenty. they can see just how important, really, the accident was, how yeah. really, how the Lord used the divorce. No one wants divorce. Right. But God uh, turns all things for good yeah. to those who love him. And so those were actual important steps to lead you to this moment right now in life. Oh, absolutely. I, I, like I said, I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for him, because he has asked me to go through many other things, which I'm sure we'll get to, but he's asked me to go through so many things so that I could talk to you, but I've had opportunities to talk to hundreds and thousands of people. Right. And, you know, they're sad stories, they're challenging stories. Right. 
but but they're stories of God working through me. So they're not sad at all. They're really joyful stories right. of God. God's alive. Yeah. And 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 if I can tell them anything, He is alive. He is involved in your life and wants to be more involved in your life than you can ever imagine. And he wants to know when you're angry and sad and happy, and he experiences those with you. Yeah, he does. I just look at him and I just say, okay, Lord, what do you got for me next? next. And then he said, I get this call from Mark, and Mark says, do you want to do a podcast? And I <laughs> said, what's a podcast, you know? <laughs> Um, so, you know, okay, Lord, if you want me to do a podcast, I'll do a podcast, right? I mean, it's just stuff like this, that if you are open to the Lord and just say, okay, I can't do this myself, but I know you have something for me to do. And, and you step in faith, you actively keep doing what you're doing. Like I said, I had to keep working, right? Right. keep doing what you're doing, but then he brings to you the next thing. You know, I, I didn't, did I have to go out looking for it? Well, yeah, I had to do work, but but he brought it to me, yeah. you know. So back back to the gentleman, I, I guess he hired you then. Yes, he did hire so me, yeah. So to, to that gentleman, did you believe him when he said that you could do this job? I, I questioned him. I said, well, I don't know if I'm, I've really got the thing, the skill set that you want. I said, but, you know, if... If you think I do, I'm at least willing to try it. And he said, well, you know, there's there's a 90-day probation period in the <laughs> government, right? Sure. And he said, you'll know if it's for you at the end of 90 days, which I have to tell you, the first office that they put me in, I was totally and completely bored. They gave me, you know, a, a bunch of um, contracts. There was about 600 of them, and they said, they were just for these little small things, and you had to call up, and you had to get three quotes or something, okay. you know, right. at that time. And and you had to talk with all these different small businesses. And I, as I was going along, I found that these businesses really didn't understand government contracting probably much more than I did, and yet they were trying to bid for these contracts. And the teacher in me kicked in. And I went to my boss two levels up because he happened to be walking by. What, what level would that be? He was a 15, and I was a little lowly GS, probably seven or nine okay. at the time. Okay. And I said, I've got a question for you. How do we help businesses develop the skill set to provide us with the right products? Because they don't seem to understand this whole federal acquisition regulation. And he said, well, we get a lot. We have a lot of problems with that. And I said, well, why don't we teach them? And that's how I brought teaching into the, the federal government. I learned it. I had to learn it. And then I would have seminars where I would bring in small businesses and sit down and I'd walk them through different proposals that they would have to bid against and say, okay, this is what all this means, right? And it really improved everything. And we started getting some great, great contract responses back in. And uh, they do a lot of that still today, but that started way back when, when I first took that. But, but you know, Sid got brought in all these skill sets, you know, and, and so, you know, he was right. I did have the skill set. I had the insight to see what people needed, what businesses needed. Um, and that translated later on, uh, which we'll probably talk about too, into my international work and other yeah. things that I did. Where, you know, it's, it's what do people need? What do they want? How yeah. do you communicate with people 
and bring people together to solve, you know, the problem of, okay, I need to buy something and you need to sell something, you know, yeah. in this case. Well, you're right. We will talk about that. And for our listeners, they're probably looking at the clock and say, you know, it's about 30 minutes. The program should be about over with. So I'm not going to be able to get to your international story. I'm not going to be able to get to the story about your daughter, Rachel, in this podcast. So we're going to do another podcast next week. But let's wrap up this one for right now. I just have a question or two left. I want to go deeper uh, into your work with the federal government and talk about how the Lord sustained you during the tragic death of your daughter, Rachel, on February 22nd, 2011. So before closing, can you share how you saw God's sovereignty and love for you through the experiences that we've talked about today? Well, you know, when that earthquake hit in New Zealand, um, I was in the Pentagon at that time. Okay. And um, God provided a boss for me, a senior executive, and a boss for him, and um, friends in the State Department um, that not only knew me, but some of them even knew Rachel. He provided her best friend from high school in a position with the Air Force um, at Hickam to be able to support our situation. So he had people strategically placed to support our family. Um, it, it's to me is amazing. Again, amazing. He's yeah. just amazing how he can bring, and he works things that we aren't seeing. We don't see the whole, whole picture. No, we don't. And he puts people in places and puts you in places at particular times, and, and all of a sudden they come together. And, um, and then it's like, wow, he did once again see the details that needed to be ready to support me and my family at a time of critical need. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, our time is up. And if you've enjoyed hearing this part of Ferris's story, I highly encourage you to come back next week. We'll uh, do another podcast and we'll mostly talk about Ferris's international experience with her job with the federal government and Department of Defense. But we're also going to talk about the day when she learned that her daughter, Rachel, was in that 9.4 earthquake in New Zealand and passed away from it, and how the Lord has sustained her now as well as he was with her then to deal with a very difficult situation. So join us next week for that part of the story. But for now, Ferris, it's a pleasure to hear this part of your story and to really see how the Lord has really used you and brought you along. And I want to thank you for joining me on this week's Cedarville Stories podcast. Thanks, Ferris. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you for listening to the Cedarville Stories podcast brought to you by Cedarville University. If you were encouraged by today's episode, share it with a friend. Please rate and review this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And connect with us at Cedarville on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And be sure to come back next week when we'll hear another inspiring Cedarville story for God's glory. Thank you.